Hello and welcome to Scratcom Talks. I'm your host, Jafar Hasnan. Today we are going to have a very important discussion on cybersecurity, some of the key challenges uh, faced uh, in the world of cybersecurity these days, and most importantly, how can we make the cyber world safer and more secure for its users? To discuss it further, today I'm joined by Mr. Oleg Shakirov. He's a senior expert at the Center for Advanced Governance. Oleg, thank you very much for joining us on today's podcast. Hello, Jafar. Thank you for having me. All right, so let's uh, jump right into the discussion. My first question to you, Oleg, how can we make uh, the cyber world more secure and safer given the current circumstances of the world? I think there are several aspects to it. The most kind of immediate something that can that everyone can contribute is personal awareness and personal cyber hygiene. So a lot of people kind of naturally grew into this digital world and we haven't often thought enough about security and other issues that we might be faced with. So uh, I would start with this level. But of course, there is only that much that one person can do. And uh, we have major problems at national and international level. And now we see that many countries start taking cybersecurity more seriously. We see that uh, regulation in this area has become very kind of specific and uh, rigorous compared to what we saw 10 years ago. In general, states are investing a lot into defenses. And there are different ways to do it. But in general, I think this is the right approach. And uh, this this is making a life Uh, more kind of secure in this digital realm. But one area which I specialize in is international relations. And uh, I uh, sincerely believe that some issues, some threats in cyberspace are impossible to solve uh, only at the national level. And therefore, we need more cooperation at the international level through diplomacy and in international organizations. Okay. Now, Oleg, uh, like you mentioned, there are challenges being faced in the cyber world, both uh, on a domestic level and on an international level. Could you please expand on the international one? What kind of challenges are we facing as human human beings internationally when it comes to the cyber world? So I think there are several problems. One is, let's say, just regular malicious actors, so cyber criminals. Because of lack of cooperation between countries like Russia and the United States or other countries, these cyber criminals can thrive in some parts of the world and because there is not enough cooperation between law enforcement or there are not not clear protocols for such cooperation they can uh, benefit from it and they can actually avoid punishment but then uh, there are many more challenges there are problems associated with the so to say legitimate actors so for example the recent disclosures about the nso group the Israeli company that provided spyware for national security purposes, but which was reportedly used for surveillance of journalists and uh, human rights activists and others. It clearly demonstrates that we have some legitimate actors who create tools that can be exploited for less than noble causes. And then we have major companies like uh, Facebook, Amazon and uh, others. And while they are legitimate businesses, uh, the way they, they treat users' data is far from uh, clear to, to most users. And uh, there are, we see time after time that there are problems with uh, how it's uh, being treated. So this data might be mismanaged or leaked to, to some other providers. Then you have some actors that can exploit these platforms 
the way uh, content is moderated is always challenging and it's not kind of equal among different countries. And so these are just some of the most widespread issues. And then, of course, you, you have uh, brewing conflict among states where states try to invest into cyber forces and they further contribute to uh, insecurities in, in this space. Okay. Now, as I understand, uh, you are saying that a lack of cooperation among international players has reinforced uh, those who want to engage in malign activities on the internet. So how can we ensure a better cooperation among international players, among countries, so that uh, the cyber world can be better protected? That's a good question. And I think we already see some of this this year. Uh, there were several instances where multiple countries cooperated on uh, countering ransomware actors. This usually involved Europol, maybe some other countries like Ukraine, uh, Romania, the United States, and they coordinated their efforts to go after specific actors. So I think uh, this is kind of one area. Uh, but then we have, uh, so we don't have a universal framework for countering cybercrime. There is a Budapest Convention, which uh, 60 plus states are members of. It's a 2001 agreement, which was originated in the Council of Europe, but is, uh, has a broader participation. Uh, but it only has one third of uh, UN membership. So it's not a, an optimal solution. And uh, of course, if you plan to have a only bilateral cooperation between individual countries, then it's going to take many agreements. So there needs to be some global framework for this. And there is right now a process at the UN to develop some kind of better framework to uh, cooperate among law enforcement agencies. But also, if you look at the national level, I think it might be a challenge for these organizations for law enforcement and security agencies, because they might not have enough uh, personnel dedicated to this specific threat, personnel uh, that is dedicated to international cooperation. And one thing is clear is that we need much more coordination here because internet is crosses boundaries and it's impossible to counter it only kind of individually. Okay, so global framework is a key word here. And certainly we as human beings have failed in reaching one united global framework that could protect our data, that could prevent uh, hackers from engaging in malign activities. Now, Oleg, this is what I wonder at this point. What has caused a delay in reaching that uh, global framework? Do you think politics is to blame here? Look, on the one hand, it's natural that people who specialize in law, they always are very cautious about legislation or like laws that go at the same pace as technologies. So on the one hand, it's clear that they will always a bit behind. So they will follow the developments in technologies because you need to understand how it affects your existing frameworks and then you need to, to adapt. But on the other hand, you're completely right that politics contributed to this delay because we have different approaches among countries and coordinating these approaches is not easy. Also, the very understanding of cyberspace is changing. If you remember, a decade ago, there was a very positive attitude towards social media, digital space in general, that it was empowering, that it was democratizing. And uh, if we come back to, to nowadays, we realize that there are many more threats that we were not cognizant about before. And uh, that's why uh, people are now more cautious. And there is a growing kind of drive towards digital sovereignty something which was embraced only by individual countries several years ago, but now has become a sort of universal approach among many countries with difficult political regimes. 
And this kind of drive towards sovereignty is also something that complicates this universal framework. But I guess we will have to live with this because it's how states see this problem and they will need to find working solutions. Certainly, certainly. And we don't know how, you know, how much time that's going to take in order for states to come up with the solution. Now, uh, uh, Oleg, I want to move this discussion towards another angle. Certainly, empowering uh, a state is essential when it comes to coming up with a global framework in uh, making the cyber world more secure and safer for our users. But what can we do as individuals to protect our own data, to protect uh, our information whenever we, you know, log on to the internet whenever we browse on the internet. So I want to make this discussion more individual based now. What can we do as individuals to uh, protect our data? So that's a good question. And I wish, I think the first step would be for more people to ask this question to themselves. So this would be step one. But then there are very practical recommendations that uh, security professionals always suggest. The first step is not to reuse your password and to make it more kind of more robust and secure. And there are simple ways to do it. Uh, second, you, you should do probably something that uh, security companies do to larger organizations, uh, but you can consider what is your what are you trying to protect? So what do you have? I can give you my personal example. I'm currently living for two months without my laptop. It just didn't stop turning on at some point. And uh, I realized that I had only part of my data that was available in the, in the backup on, on the cloud. So I don't have... Uh, access to a lot of my data and some of it is important. So you should start by considering what data is crucial to your private and uh, business life and uh, consider ways to, to make it available even if something like, like that happens, like your laptop breaking down. Then also you use some services like social media, email, banking applications, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, you can also be cognizant of what you, uh, what you do with this, what kind of uh, security protocols you have there and just meticulously try to introduce small updates in all these areas. And thus you'll be able to make it harder for kind of minor cyber criminals to reach you. And also you can help your friends and family, especially people who are not as uh, maybe high tech friendly. You can just uh, provide them with a simple advice that they can follow. For example, in Russia and in many other countries, uh, online fraud or like phone scams are very popular. So there is a lot of... Uh, awareness uh, materials even out in the streets about for elder people not to answer calls from unknown numbers, etc., etc. So in general, I'm not suggesting anything exotic. It all starts uh, from uh, simple tasks, but they can take some effort. And that's why people call it hygiene, because you need to recognize that it's important for your safety and you need to make it a kind of a working routine. All right, some great uh, tips there, uh, Oleg. I'm sure our audience uh, finds it very useful. Now, when we talk about uh, protecting individual data, we have to talk about uh, the world of social media because there are billions of individuals in the world who are actively using social media. For example, uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, WhatsApp. Now, my question is, and this is something which is on a lot of people's mind uh, these days, because certainly over the past uh, few years, there these social media giants have been embroiled in many controversies when it comes to protecting individual data. To what extent can we trust these social media giants? I think it's easy to become too paranoid about this, because 
whenever you see a new scandal related to to Facebook or I don't know maybe YouTube, you start thinking about like if this is what we know, how much of what is really happening don't we know? But there is one, there is a lot of criticism about about uh, the role of social media companies. But it's important to remember that uh, they still very popular. And so they fulfill some important function in society, in modern society. So it turns out that we need we need to be connected. We want to talk to each other. We want to easily share information and uh, group in some communities. So of course, you need to be cognizant of the risks, but I, I think it, it would be difficult to kind of reverse this, this progress. Uh, there are many, many ways now in which uh, governments, non-governmental organizations try to influence social media companies to address some of these risks. Uh, you know, uh, there's a debate uh, taking place as we speak whether or not governments should have the authority to regulate uh, social media in their respective countries. What do you think? What is your idea? Do you think it's a good idea, idea for governments to regulate social media giants? I think I'm kind of neutral to this. I, I think this is already happening and this has been happening for a while. And there are, there are positive examples of such regulation and negative examples. And uh, it's not... It's not as if governments clearly understand what really needs to be done, because some governments, uh, especially in smaller countries, they, they might definitely have disadvantage in the face of these companies, and so they have less information about how they operate, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So uh, I think that regulation is unavoidable, but the key question is uh, how good it will be and what uh, issues it will address. Okay. Now, Oleg, we are in the dying seconds of our discussion, but I have to ask you this one last question. How safe is today's cyber world? To be honest, uh, I think it's pretty safe. We haven't talked about something that is really important. There are many efforts that are undertaken by the technical communities to make existing protocols more secure. And this is something that regular users don't notice. But our, our emails, our just websites are more secure now than they were several years before. And even in the face of all these threats that are coming from different actors, I think there is clear understanding among professionals that because the world now relies on this digital infrastructure, it has to be sustainable, it has to be reliable, and it has to be safe. And uh, even though that, I've, that we focus today on uh, threats, I think it shouldn't be forgotten that there are many people who are trying to make it more secure, and it, it actually is more secure. So we should not be afraid of the internet, but we should remember that it uh, benefits our uh, world greatly. All right, uh, Oleg Shakirov, thank you very much for joining this podcast. I really appreciate your taking out the time and also your analysis. Thank you very much uh, once again, and thank you to our audience for tuning in. See you next time.